0: guys hello and welcome back to the do the work podcast it's dale here the do the work coach today is episode 13 i was joined by james mcdowell and also online coach Emma story gordon we run this episode as a facebook live and we're now also using it as a podcast as well so guys this is full of content we talked all about female fat loss we talked about the menopause the menstrual cycle habits nutrition and we also did some listener q a as well So, i say packed with content. Make sure you're listening. And don't forget if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us that five-star review. But guys, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Cool. Okay, right. Good evening, everyone. Um hopefully it'll start populating as um I'm introducing. But welcome back to another episode of I mean we didn't tell you this, but it's called a northerner, a southerner, and an Irishman. But instead of the southerner today, we have someone who lives in Dundee, right?
1: Yeah. Well yeah. done, no one ever knows that, they're like London, I'm like no. Just
0: tag it on your stories and stuff, so um, yeah, so hello and welcome, this is a Facebook live and uh, a podcast as well if you're listening to it, um, we are going to basically just get cracking and we're going to introduce James and Emma um, for those that don't know and then we're going to get stuck into some questions, uh, myself and James have got some questions for Emma and then we'll open it up to the guys on Facebook um, in case you guys want to kind of ask anything and it's it's good to get a female on your nose know, because all our guests so far have been males so it's been a lot of
1: oh well asking. i'm honored thank you
0: <laughs> the first female we've had so um yeah i'll hand it over to you then. if you can tell the guys uh you know who you are and what you do if they don't already know
1: okay so i am emma story gordon i am an online personal trainer primarily I run some group coaching programs and I also do some one-to-ones currently working with, we've just started a group, that's 450 people in which is very exciting. So that's what I do. That's what takes up most of my time. I also have three podcasts because I'm really, um, I have lots to say apparently, uh, And I guess they're all for different uh, things that I do, but Fitness Unfiltered that you guys will have known from the conference we put on um, and ESG Fitness Podcast and the EC Method Podcast. And that's me.
0: Yeah, so there's a lot going on, right? And it seems like when I've been followed, I've followed you since you did Pure Lifestyle. I think I came across you when you did Pure Lifestyle with Pure Gym. That was the first time I saw you. And since then, you seem to have picked up loads more things you know as as it as it's gone on and you have recently is it the the nutritional educational stuff you've been doing more recently is that the latest yeah
1: amelia's gonna be annoyed at me that i must start out so yeah i in fact that's been like a, a lot of the what i've been focusing on during lockdown is building this nutrition course with amelia which is an educate an online fitness education course we saw that there were kind of like really expensive and really time consuming courses and then ones that are really rubbish that you can buy on One for like 30 like quid or something and give you some certificate yeah the and there was no middle ground and it's something that a lot of my clients asked me like oh what courses can I do that are gonna help me with the nutrition I want to learn more like basically a lot of the time it, it was for people that potentially don't want to be personal trainers but want to learn more And then also for personal trainers who want to learn a bit more about nutrition, but also how to apply that knowledge. So not just like your university type course, but also the application of that knowledge to coaching from Amelia and I's coaching experience. And the interesting thing is we have quite different um, client populations. So a lot of what we say is slightly different and, and would be useful for people depending on who they work with.
0: Yeah. I mean, a key part of that is the application side of it, isn't it? Like you, you guys, yeah. you ladies—sorry—have obviously, you know, used the experience that you've had actually coaching clients to be able to apply the information rather than just teach information, I suppose. Um, okay, cool. Right, James. If there's anyone on who doesn't know who you are, mate, can you just introduce yourself?
2: Uh, so my name's James McDowell, and obviously anyone who's been watching these lives know my story. So I primarily help uh, females lose body fat um, so they can feel just a little bit more comfortable and uh, feel a little bit more confident. I do that through my online programs, but fortunately back in the gym this week, um, doing in-person PT and semi-private coaching. Cool.
0: Thank you very much. So what we'll do is just going to get cracking with the questions. And James, I know you had a few for Emma, so we'll run through those um i've got a few that we'll go through potentially and then we'll go if there's any questions in the uh in the live stream and run with that i think emmy you've got about 40 minutes today
1: something like that yes 40 minutes is about how long my back stays upright
0: <laughs> right okay uh, so james i'm gonna hand it over to you because i know you had a couple of pretty good questions which to be fair could could expand um for that whole duration so i'll uh, hand it over to you mate
2: yeah well, because I work with a lot of females and like a common thing that will always come up um when you're initially talking to a client is or like in doing a consultation call is a lot of women will feel like they've tried everything and failed um and that you know it's like it's nearly like it's a, 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 a like a lost cause and that maybe they feel like they're broken like what sort of advice maybe would you have for those type of women so that they can feel like they can still get the results that that they deserve
1: yeah I think you're totally right a lot of women go through so many different things and I think it's a lot of misinformation it's a lot of not having the right support systems um just being given like a detox thing and just sort of being told to get on with it Uh, and honestly like as cringe as it is like education is empowerment like once people have that and I often find it's like a click moment they're like They sort of don't believe you when you initially start working with them. You're like, okay, it's just as simple as really consistently sticking to this calorie target. Here's a protein target as well. Get these steps in and try and get a workout in three times a week. Like genuinely, that will work for 90% of people. Like it is as simple as that. But initially people don't believe that. So you sort of have to get their buy-in. And then when there is that click moment that, okay, like if I do this and actually I figured out how, to make 1500 calories look like a lot of food, seem like a lot of food, to make it associating, et cetera, et cetera, then that's sort of like a click moment where they realise they can't do it. And that's hugely empowering that they, they, it's not just getting the results, but it's knowing how they got the results, I think is really important.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so, I love that. Go
0: I, on, I say then, like, something I picked up on in a, a po- the last episode of the podcast that I did. Um, about the fact that most people have a failure, don't get started because they, they literally can't visualize the end result. Like they have no belief that they can, that they can do it. The thing oh, I can't do, fifteen hundred calories a right I can't, and they tell themselves they can't do it to the point where they kind of just never get started. And then they think, you know, I, I'm a failure. I think, and that's that's what you get a lot, isn't it? When people come to you, it's like oh, I've tried everything. I've tried everything, and they tell yeah, to-
2: yeah.
1: and it's not the they're a failure it's that the crappy diets have failed them yeah
2: yeah i love that because the amount of clients that come to me that say that but then you know once they start to see results they say things like i can't believe it was that easy Um, and and it's just because everything else was crap like you know obviously you've probably seen today about the whole skinny jab thing like that's going to catch a lot of women out and they're going to you know sign up to that and you know it's just constant being fed bullshit like that and then failing, and um, whereas it's really simple at the end of the day, so that's that's amazing.
1: Yeah, the skinny job is interesting in itself. I think actually because there's a few, like, I did not think it should be dismissed so quickly. Not that I think it should be at a advertised like online. I think that's ridiculous. It should be given by a doctor. But it's not to say that that won't work and that it's not quite important for some people. And I put a post up about this today. And I was like almost a little bit disappointed by some of the personal trainers that commented below being like, yeah, people just need to realize it's just hard work. But when actually, like, I'm going to say that 95% of personal trainers are genetically blessed. Like we're blessed to not have excessively high hunger signals. Um, And normally, like be somewhat good at sport. That's why we've got into this job. That's why we enjoy exercise. And that sort of spirals into, okay, that's become your career. And I think to be like as naive as to think that it's that easy for everyone and that it's just hard work, like I tried to liken it to I don't know, like say for example, you've prepped for a bodybuilding show. The week before you're so hungry. But for someone else, that could be that hunger level could be at a much higher body fat percentage. So it's not just about, oh, you need to grind hard, you need to try harder. Like if you were that hungry all the time let's see how you would maintain this physique as easily as you do. So the fact is it's not as easy for everyone. And one of the ways that that skinny jab works or the drug behind it is that it reduces your hunger and it makes you stay fuller for longer effectively. Um, And I think that could be an important part. And then I think people like, again, completely misunderstanding it and saying things like, um, was it someone said oh basically oh no actually the real reason behind this is because they're in a calorie deficit yeah no shit of course they were like that's how they lost weight no one is disputing that the fact is if your hunger levels are excessively high in this jab and i'm not saying it can or can't but there is evidence that the drug can that is in that jab reduce your hunger somewhat that means you can stick to your calorie deficit and thus lose body fat like that is the secret that is the key But, and again, like this is the same for most obesity drugs or obesity, um, procedures. So things like your gastric band is like, Oh, it's cheating. It's not cheating. You still have to eat less and move more. Like you still have to be in that deficit. That gastric band is forcing you to be in that deficit because you can't physically eat anymore or because your hunger levels are reduced as soon as that band goes on. And yeah, I think that a lot of personal trainers don't understand that and they think that it's an easy way out or it's a cheat or yeah, all those sort of things. So there needs to be a lot more understanding and I think people need to realize that it's not that easy for everyone.
2: It's it's probably like most things in health and fitness it's like it depends is like the answer to everything. Like mm. it depends like there's so much context involved with it that you you know, it's not the way that you can take it and then just decide you know, just live the way you were living and and still yeah. get the results you want. It just it depends on so many yeah. factors.
1: I think that's what people think though. They're like, oh, people are just cheating and using this jab and then they just like lay in bed all day and lose fat. No. And then they think, oh, it's some con and like you still have to be on a diet. Yeah, no one said you didn't have to be on a diet. Saying that, I do think the way it's been promoted is completely wrong. Like it could be a discussion that you have with your doctor if you're at that stage. And it's usually given to people who are so overweight that they have problems controlling their blood glucose levels as well. So they're also tied to diabetic. But yeah, I think too many people have just seen it and been like, oh, it's obviously a gimmick. Like there's a little bit more to it.
0: Yeah. I think people dislike the marketing, don't they? That's what obviously gets people's backs yeah. up. And there are probably situations where it'd be beneficial. Otherwise it wouldn't be something like even, even the stupid teas and stuff like they do something that, but it's so acute, it's so small that it's not really what it says on a tin.
1: Um, yeah, they give you the shits. Yeah. Weight loss in a week.
0: Most of the things will suppress your appetite, but, you know, so will drinking a coffee or whatever. But um, it's the way it's marketed, I think, that, you know, gets people America. whacked up, isn't it? And that was one of my yeah. questions, so nice one, James. <laughs>
1: well, I, did, I was hoping that would come up because I felt oh. like I needed to get that.
0: I knew that you'd have something to say after seeing your post today. So I was like, right, I'll ask her about that. She's kind of, I don't is eloquently the word? Like eloquently, you know, been
1: I would hope so, but
0: nice about it rather than um, just gone, oh, it's rubbish. So, you know, I knew you'd have something to say. Um, cool. All right. Yeah, and
1: I think like as much as I don't think Gemma Collins should have promoted it the way she did. Someone in her position, who, as far as I know, has been um, overweight for quite a while and has always struggled with her weight, could be someone that maybe is genetically predisposed to being overweight and finds it much harder to diet, and thus that might have helped to stick to this particular diet. There's obviously a huge placebo effect as well, because if I tell, if I give you a pill and I'm like, "This is going to suppress your appetite and make it easier for you to stick to your diet." And even more so, so there's been loads of studies on the placebo effect. So if you get, if you have an unmarked pill, that has like a small effect. If you have like a packaged up, like you know those ones that are in little packets, like a red pill or something, more of an effect just because it's coloured. And then if you get given like a sham injection, say it's just water or I think it's saline they put in. Anyway, doesn't do anything. You get it still has an effect. So whether that's a pain killing effect, which is normally what they test it on. So it's really interesting. And, and that's not just like, oh, you think it has an effect, but it doesn't. It has a real effect. Like it's amazing. And the example I always use for this is the study called the milkshake study. And they bring in participants and one week they give them this indulgent milkshake. It's 500 calories, very like, it's chocolate milkshake, all indulgent, whatever. It's meant to be high-fat, high-calorie milkshake. And then afterwards, they check their ghrelin levels. So ghrelin levels are a marker of how hungry you are. So they go up to, to make you eat, to increase hunger, and then after a meal, they come down. So after the indulgent shake, unsurprisingly, ghrelin levels fall. Then the next week, they bring in these the same people. They give them a skinny shake, so like something like a slim, fast shake. They then me- uh, measure their ghrelin levels afterwards and they haven't fallen as much as the indulgent shape, which you would expect. And then, like, big plot twist, they were exactly the same shape, packaged differently. But that had a physiological impact. So, like, there's nothing, like, you just think that that's going to make you more full, and it does on a physiological level. Like, that's pretty amazing. And if, that, if you can do that with a milkshake, Think of the placebo effect you can have with an injection, like massive, huge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's just like, it's, it's the external sort of triggers that, that are impacting that, isn't it? Like you say, the packaging or what something looks like, or, you know, comparing it to an experience potentially before where you had something kind of, kind of similar. So yeah, very, very interesting to be fair. Um, cool alright James what else did you have question wise
2: um, one thing that kind of and I know I'd seen you at a post up the other day about this was like in your experience working with females do you find tracking long term isn't feasible I know obviously it depends on the person um, like a lot of my clients would be you know ladies maybe that want to lose like a stone or two stone things like that and I always kind of try to base it off a more intuitive approach and focus more on portion control. Is that something that you would do? Cause I know you, you'd spoken that post maybe about tracking for a period and then maybe gradually nearly subconsciously tracking yourself. Is that an approach you would recommend with, with, with females?
1: Yeah. And I wouldn't say it's particularly female specific, like anyone that would be a great approach. I I'm quite against like tracking forever. I feel like that there's no need to do that. Um and I also don't like when people become like almost addicted to my fitness pile and they have to track everything in it, even though they're eating roughly the same thing every day and they can eyeball it and know what it is, but they still feel the need and it's like keeping up that streak on my fitness pile that says, You've tracked for so and so like amount of days, like there's sort of a, an obsession there. Um, and I actually sometimes find it, especially if women have been, or men, but tends to be women I work with, so especially if they've been successful with dieting, they're really scared about stopping tracking, even though they're just looking to maintain. So it is like a bit of a process. And the other problem with tracking is that it can be really good for weight loss, but then it's almost hard to get people off it, and they've they've also become so used to listening to or not listening to their body and listening to my first part so they're like oh my dinner's 400 calories then they eat 400 calories instead of oh I'm not that hungry tonight I'm going to stop halfway through my dinner or I'm still hungry after dinner I'm going to have a little bit more and less intuitive with their body which is a much harder thing to do but I do think that potentially a better process is instead of starting with someone who's very overweight and trying to get them to intuitively eat which is extremely hard partly because they are overweight because they were potentially intuitively eating now there are many other reasons like emotional eating other things like that which could play a part but one of them will might be because they were eating to their hunger or past their hunger um i think it is useful to diet them down first partly because you become much more sensitive to some of your hormones and regulating these things and then try and move them towards a more intuitive way of doing
0: it yeah i think the goal always has to be to be in a situation where you're happy confident and you don't have to track food like that's that's surely the goal for people but i think like you said sometimes they become reliant upon they associate my fitness pal with healthy eating and with you know i need that to know how much i've had but the idea behind it in my head should be right you don't know much about calories. You don't know much about portion sizes. Let's use this first three months or whatever you're however long the program is that they're on, to educate you on that. And then you can then make more informed decisions moving forward off food labels, eyeballing, like you said. And, you know, sh- surely that should be a long-term goal. But I think when people see success by doing something a certain way, they almost become reliant upon that process, don't they? Rather than everything that goes on behind it.
1: Yeah and I can see why and I think that's why there has to, like sometimes it's quite daunting for someone to go from like tracking everything to not tracking anything at all um, and, and almost giving them like no guidelines. So something I use often is like a hunger scale so they start thinking about their hunger so they know how hungry they are before their meal and then when they stop eating and the aim is to try and stay on a scale of one to ten between about like four and eight so you're never starving and you're never excessively full you want to be in that comfortable middle ground but getting people to think more about their hunger getting people to slow down noticing that it's like with my own like whenever I'm trying to lose weight or gain weight or anything I don't like tracking I much prefer behaviors so I would start implementing different behaviors like things like really focusing on eating slower, not snacking between meals, swapping out things. So instead of thinking, oh, exactly how much calories is this meal? I know that if I've roughly eaten the same thing that for a couple of weeks and know that the calories are roughly the same because I've tracked before, I know that I need to reduce my calories if I'm not losing weight and I want to lose weight. And I would probably just do that by saying, okay, I'm going to half my carbs and put in some more veg. So you're keeping that volume high. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have nothing I against
0: really. tracking, but I don't think long-term it's a good tool. Yeah, I know. If I, if I say, I don't know, I've got a holiday coming up or something like that, I'll literally track for like a week or a few days and go, right, cool, I know where I'm at now, and I'll work from there. And, you know, yeah. I have totally similar stuff. Certainly like breakfast during the day is always quite similar. At night it might be different, but in the normal world, when you go to work and things, um. You know day to day it's it tends to be the same and i just try and keep that relatively consistent and then as you say long term you don't you don't necessarily need to track if those habits and behaviors are, are the same um you touched on something there which i was going to kind of ask about so you talked about being obsessive with tracking on my fitness pal so i was going to touch on activity trackers because i know you talked about that recently and that's something that you hear about kind of all the time, like something. I like. Oh, I need to hit like the Apple Watches. I need to hit my move goal. I need to get full circles. I've got a Fitbit, so It's different, but um, educating someone that it's a good thing to move more, and it's good that that's higher. But you know, in your head, you like. Please don't compare that to what you're eating on my fitness pal, or please don't think that's actually how many calories you're burning. So I was hoping you could give some. You know, nice explanation of to people of how they yeah, can I, use them to an to advantage but not get obsessed.
1: Yeah, I, I think they're great to some, like, I like the gamify aspects of it where it's like, oh, it's going to buzz when I hit 10,000 steps. It tells me if I've not moved for an hour. Like, those things are good if it gets you moving more, that's great. But when people start obsessing over, especially energy expenditure, which we know is inaccurate and not even consistently inaccurate. So, for example, like your steps might be inaccurate. Let's say they're off by, like, I don't know, 200 steps every day. It doesn't matter because, or even 10% every day. It doesn't matter because you're always getting more or you're always hitting about the same number. And you can tell, like, the level that you're at. And when you're monitoring and adapting your nutrition, you can adapt that to suit. What the problem is when people look E, well, actually, there's a couple of problems, but one of the problems is when people look at energy expenditure and think that's how many calories I've burnt during the day, because the research says it's not accurate, and up to 42% inaccurate, actually, which is massive, like, to the extent that if you just told me what you had done today, I would probably be more accurate in, tra- in, like, estimating your energy expenditure than your watch is going to be so and that's been shown in numerous reviews like I, the reason i'm so clued up on this is like just written a lecture on it for eIQ but there's three huge reviews that all show that these watches are inaccurate and it's not like they're looking at apple watch um fitbit like all of the standard ones that people would have um and the problem with that again so it's not consistently a- inaccurate so we don't know that it's a good measure of anything really um yeah so that's my issue with that. It's quite accurate for heart rate, but I would use it as a pedometer. This is why I keep saying to my clients, like, people are like, oh, you know, I've got to get a new Fitbit. No, you don't. <laughs> like, use your phone and know that that's going to be consistently accurate because you don't take it to the toilet, but you'll know roughly how much you get every day. Or just get, like, you can get, like, a two-pound pedometer. I'm sure you can get fake. I'm sure I saw... In fact, I think I have one, like fake Fitbits for like eight quid on Amazon. You don't <laughs> need to spend hundreds of pounds on this. Like it's, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah. They're, they're a good tool, aren't they? But, you know, I think you can go, as you say, too far. And the thing that I use them for, generally speaking, is, is step count. And I was, when you were speaking, then I was just looking at my calories. And, you know, based on my calories over lockdown, based on what I've eaten, like I should be ripped. I'm not it's not
1: I I
0: don't burn three thousand calories a day. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm not eating that much. Um so yeah, for me, step count they're great, but anything beyond that then maybe telling the time and that's probably about it.
2: And I actually I find the phone is go on ahead.
1: You go ahead. (laughs)
2: Um I actually do find like you said there the phone I find is nearly more accurate. Um what I What definitely clients shouldn't do is either have two Fitbits or have a Fitbit on a phone and then get to the end of the day and say, oh, it's 2,000 steps in a difference. You know, like just pick the one and stick to it because, you know, if you do 10,000 steps on your phone one day and then 10,000 or 15,000 the next day, at least you know you've moved more regardless. So,
1: Yeah. The other thing that is a massive problem with this, and James, I'm sure you get this with your female clients, and males, I don't know why I keep specific, like being specific about that. As, but, as
2: it's just who, who it works with.
1: Yeah, but like eating back the calories that says you've burnt. Yeah. So they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's my calories. And also I had 500 exercise calories, so I just ate them as well. And I'm like, no, that was your day's deficit. <laughs> yeah, that link your watching.
2: to my fitness pal?
0: <laughs> someone watching now that uh, asked me about that the other day, and I was like, no, just just turn that off. Like, just turn that bit off because it's not... It's not helping, um you know your calories include your exercise that's why I asked you on my fitnesspal what your activity level is, but yeah, uh all right, cool, James, I know you had one or two more questions, I think
2: yeah, obviously i'm going I'm going all female with these uh, Emma because, <laughs> because uh, you're our first female, guest and my ninety nine percent of my clients are female. so um training around the menstrual cycle is something that comes up a lot um now do you like i know there's research obviously on hormones um and you know hormones during each time of the month but do you like to base it more like what i would usually do is base it more on a individual basis on how that person feels is
1: that something that you would recommend yeah a hundred percent like there is a little bit of research around um different uh volumes of training around different parts of your menstrual cycle and it can slightly increase strength gains but it's so like individually dependent and you know some people i was speaking to amelia about this yesterday that was like some people don't have like many effects of their cycle but saying that i don't know any women that that is you know you're always like oh yeah some people don't have any effects but like i think most of them do but the effects can be completely different. And the fact is the effects can be different for each woman. They can be different for each cycle. Like each month might be different. They might have bad months, good months. You know, they might be stressed and so their period moves. They might not have a regular cycle. Like, There's so many things that go on and it's what kind of bugs me about people giving these like generic like, oh, in in the follicular phase you should do this. And in this phase you should do this and just overcomplicating it as if it's the same for everyone. But it's not in that respect. But it's also not in the respect that a lot of women are on contraception of some form or might have some like PCOS or some other hormonal change. Or if you're working with older women, they might be going through the menopause. So there are so many things to, keep, to take into consideration. And yes, coaches should know about all of these. Like I was speaking to, in fact, it wasn't a client, it was someone who asked me on a question box on. Instagram something about their cycle and they were like oh but my like should I speak to my PT about this he's male and I was like if your personal trainer is a man and is training females and he doesn't know about like how your period might affect you then he shouldn't be training females like you need to know this stuff if you're going to work for females you have to know it and you have to be able to speak about it um But yeah, it's like you can't, as much as people like to give out, like at this phase you do this and it's that simple. It's not. And as soon as you start taking a form of contraception, all of that research that was about your natural cycle is not relevant, it's completely different. So yeah, it's Uh, not as
2: easy as that. Yeah, that's an amazing point because like it's so common. It's not just woman to woman, as you said, it's month to month as well. Um, Like I have clients that, you know, the week before the period is absolute torture in one month. And then the next month it's completely fine. So like you can maybe push hard in that, that week, or, you know, maybe keep to your, your diet or whatever. But the next month that that mightn't be the case, just because you felt great that month doesn't mean it's going to be the same. And like, I always say to clients, if, if like you're suffering with cramps or low back pain or your energy levels are shot you know that's really a good opportunity I think to have a bit of a diet break in a way like you know maybe you know like because a lot of women will get intense cravings and so you know the best thing nearly you could do is satisfy those cravings because I find that if you don't you the ladies become really really stressed and you know nearly angry and then even if you take that diet break you nearly find that your results are nearly better anyway because the next week is probably easier as a result
1: yeah and i think you'll find working with anyone that things crop up that might be you know we're talking about oh you might have feelings around your menstrual cycle yeah but you also might have feelings around your work your family life like all these things not like you've not slept the night before those things have a huge impact as well Um, which could potentially be bigger than whatever's happening in your womb, in your ovaries, whatever.
0: Wicked. Right. I've got one or two more. So if anyone, there's a fair few comments, but without any direct questions. So if anyone's got a direct question for Emma, stick it in the comments now. Um, In the meantime, the next five minutes or so, um, James, have you got anything else?
2: Um, no, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty good to, good to go.
0: Cool. Uh, the the beers are fine, by the way. Thank you for asking. Uh, <laughs> a couple of people asking how the beers is. Uh, I have got two questions, so I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with this one. So, Emma, you're quite big on taking. You know, you've already touched. Wait, already-
1: sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was trying to share your thing, and now it's gone. Like okay right sorry
0: wait. hello yes um so you take a massive sort of habit-based approach and i know that's what pretty much commit to six. i think that's what commit to six is built around I'm, i think i'm right in saying that so how do you wait well, say when you've got someone who comes to you and this is probably relevant for people going you know lockdown change and potentially going back into the gym how would you set somebody up in terms of a habit-based approach what were the what would be the first things that you would get them to do if they go from you know, they come to you and they've got bad eating habits, they their sleep is not very good, they don't exercise much, you know. If there's two or three things that you would start to get them to do straight away, what what might they be?
1: Okay. I say so some people take a different approach that some people go like let's change one thing at a time. I don't really like that because the results are really, really slow. And I think when people come to you, they're normally quite engaged and they're quite ready to change because they've just said i want to work with you i'm willing to invest some money in you i'm willing to invest my time and effort in you let's go so i'm not just going to say right cool start going to bed earlier that's your one habit this week so what i base commit six on is an activity target a calorie target a protein target training target sleep You have a morning routine and evening routine. So like those five that I've just said on that hand, like they're pretty basic. Special trainers would do that, you'd hope. But the morning and evening routine is slightly different. So morning routine is there because I want everyone to start the day with something positive and also start the day almost reminding yourself that you are looking to improve your health and fitness in some way. Like everyone's goals could be different, but they're, they're looking to improve themselves in some way. So the morning routine doesn't have to be hard. It has to be something like physical. So I normally set something like, could be as simple as 10 press ups, 10 squats, 10 set ups. That's it. But you've started doing something positive. And I normally increase that every other week. So that by the end, they're doing quite a lot. But not only does that like set you up really well for the day, but it also sort of shows the, how little habits can build. So, you're like, yeah, 10 push ups. 10 push ups will do nothing, literally nothing. But 10 push ups every day for six weeks, that does a lot. And what's really amazing about doing it, especially with women who maybe aren't into the gym to start with, or they're starting from quite poor conditioning, is that they're like, I can't do one push up. And I'm like, cool, do them from like, do box push ups. That's fine. Do them against the wall if you need to, like, whatever you need to start with. And almost everyone by the end of six weeks can do 10 push ups. And for a woman, doing 10 push ups, like that's pretty strong. That's a, like quite a good achievement. And the fact that you're doing it little and often every single day proves that that little, like it doesn't seem like much at the time, but over time it does make a big difference. So that's your morning routine, which is something I would recommend. Like everyone does, even if they're not a morning person, it just sets you up well. And there's quite a lot of research about weighing yourself in the morning, and it's not the weight that matters. Like that's not what causes the better behaviors it's the process of weighing yourself so you're starting your day and you're like okay i'm on a weight loss journey that's why i'm weighing myself and even when they mask the scales so you can't see what's on them but you still have to step on the scales every day you still get better results because you start your day thinking this is what i'm doing today like i'm in the zone doing this
2: so yeah morning
1: routine evening routine the evening is quite simple it's just writing what you need to do the next day so that you can wake up determined and go to bed satisfied there is my cheesy commit to (laughs) six yeah
0: i think a lot of that's around the psychological things isn't it you know like you say Mm step on the scales i'm actually going to go right i'm going to make better decisions now because i know every day i've got to do that and it's at the front of my mind and you know i've created and i've got my clients a, a a journal that they they write in that I've sort of made kind of based on what I wanted to fill in. Um, And it's basic stuff. It's a little A5 booklet, you know, it's right. Talk about your sleep, talk about how you're going to impact exercise, food and daily movement. You know, what was good about yesterday? How do you want to feel today? Like basic, basic stuff, but you know, starting your day like that can completely change your outlook. Like if you, you know, if you've got late or if you've, Bit stressed out because something bad's going to come. That you know, one of those questions you can just change your day there and then. It's just, it's just so powerful. Um, so you know, I'm I'm big on that as well. I know you to have time, so Just quickly, there's a few questions surrounding. Um, basically, to, to put it in simple terms, females as obviously getting a little bit older, postmenopause, you know, and stuff like that. Does it get harder, and what can they do about that?
1: Okay, so a lot of changes go on, like, during the menopause, which, um, or when you're perimenopausal, a lot of symptoms, a lot of side effects, some that are really hard to deal with, like, things that may mean that you don't sleep as well, and we know that sleep, just, like, lack of sleep just makes everything harder. What I would say is that most of these side effects, I think a lot of women are just like, oh, well, that's the menopause, I have to deal with it, like, I've heard all these awful things happen. There's actually quite a lot that doctors can do about that now. And especially you probably want to speak to your doctor about HRT, so hormone replacement therapy, and, make, and see if that is an option for you. It might not be, you might decide that it isn't an option for you. But I think the main like, sort of um, concern before was that it's linked to certain forms of cancer. And that um, risk is actually quite low, especially if you start it quite early. So the reason that you'd be taking that is you don't produce estrogen anymore, and that has a, a role in many things in your body. But one thing that it can do as well is the lack of estrogen makes you store more stomach, store more fat around your stomach. Um, and a lot of clients notice that really quite quickly, almost before they hit, or before they know that they're going through the menopause, they, they start storing more around the middle and they notice that. So one thing that you might find is that even if your weight doesn't change, where you store your body fat changes and it tends to be more like a man tends to store his body fat around his middle, the typical apple shape. And a woman tends to store it around her like lower body and like, bingo wings, if you will, but more of like a pear shape. And it's actually the pear shape is a much safer place to store your fat because when you store fat around your your middle, that's more around your organs. It's what we call visceral fat. And that's linked to type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease, which is which increases the risk of that increases as you go through the menopause due to this change in fat storage um, but what i would say so i actually and i will link this to whoever asked this question but i listened to a really good podcast on this recently and it was like i've listened to a few and they were all almost a little bit downbeat about like all these changes that you go through and it makes you a bit anxious about hitting that time of your life but this was completely different. It was a GP. She was telling me how much it could be done now. She was saying you don't have to live with these things like incontinence. There's lots of things that can be done. There's lots of things that can be done to reduce your symptoms. And um, hormone replacement therapy might be something that you might want to look into that you should definitely discuss with your doctor. But any side effects you should discuss with your doctor. What I will say from a personal training or health and fitness standpoint is that now is such an important time to resistance train to make sure your diet's on point because you will, or what tends to happen through the menopause and postmenopause is that you lose muscle mass and you lose bone mineral density. And that's really important as you age, like it means that you'd be at high risk of osteoporosis and sarcopenia. So bone and muscle wastes with, with age. And what we can do to avoid that is resistance train. And that will have a huge effect on, either attenuating that loss or reducing that loss altogether. So it's probably, as a woman, the most important time in your life to be active and be exercising. And also, obviously, because this is just how fair life is, probably the time in your life when you most don't want to exercise and don't want to be active because your hormones are flying all over the place, you're having hot flashes, and exercise might be the last thing that you want to do. But it is so important.
0: Yeah, awesome. I think in summary there, it's it's almost what most personal trainers recommend. You know, resistance train, move as much as you can, eat a healthy diet, but unfortunately, to just get that, that little bit harder at that stage. Um, yeah. Which, at the end of the day, it does for a bloke as they're getting older as, as well, you know. Um, but, you know, with less changes in hormones etc um just very very you're
1: gonna get um, <laughs> you're gonna get in trouble for saying that <laughs> <laughs> sorry but men do not go through the menopause they don't you know what it feels like and it's not the same what i'm saying but is you is, get like half pina, you do get reduced testosterone yep. levels so yeah it, yeah it,
0: there are it, it still gets harder obviously it's not as hard but yeah it still gets harder i'm just gonna kind of back myself up there uh just quickly last question um Does having a lower resting heart rate affect weight loss? My resting heart rate is less than 50 and up until recently weight loss plateaued despite calorie deficit and training.
1: So I would probably want to talk to the individual more. So obviously we know, and this is almost a bit of nuance, but I think it's important to point out. Anyway, like you cannot, your weight loss won't plateau on a calorie deficit. Like if you are in a deficit, you will lose weight. You might not lose it week on week, but over time you will lose weight. Um it's interesting because your metabolic rate is often related to your heart rate. So potentially yes. did or like I would want to know if this person is like on beta blockers or if she's like an elite level athlete. Because if you're looking at it like let's let's just use Paula Radcliffe, for example, like her I'll,
0: I'll give you it's neither. It's neither. So this person's got a, a, a low thyroid which is in the process of potentially being medicated for. Um but this is low something, thyroid this, yeah this is something that they okay
1: they, yeah that can definitely that would definitely impact but not in a way that so it it might mean that your resting metabolic rate is lower which means that the total calories you'll need are lower and lower than would what we would expect from like a calculation on your weight given your weight and activity levels your energy needs will be less which means you will need to be on lower calories to lose weight
0: Awesome. Uh, men have no clue is one of the comments. Um, uh, <laughs> I thought
1: you might get in trouble. Dale's
2: getting hate messages after this. I know.
0: Yeah. Oh well. I was just trying to be nice to the blokes. You know, it does does get that little bit harder. I didn't say it was as hard as females, but I said it gets a little bit harder. Um, all right. Well, that's all the questions up. Um, so I think that's us done, um, and we can now go and relax for the evening. So thank you very much for joining in emma thank you very much for joining Thanks so much um much appreciated loads of loads of content there for the listeners and stuff um, if people want to know you know where they can find you and stuff how do they do that
1: okay i am at esg fitness on instagram twitter and i'm um, sorry Gordon fitness on facebook and esg fitness
0: Awesome, thank you very much. And then James as well, thank you as always, mate. Where can people find you? Uh,
2: you can just search James underscore Fit underscore McDowell on Instagram, or just search James McDowell on Facebook. Awesome. Well, that brings us to a. Close. Thank you
1: very much for having me. It was a pleasure.
2: Thanks no problem. Much. Thanks for doing it.
0: See you later, guys. Guys, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Thank you very much for tuning in. and Thank you to those that contributed on the Facebook Live as well bigger thank you goes james mcdowell thank you for coming on as guest and also emma story gordon for joining us emma dropped some incredible knowledge bombs there we talked a lot about the studies and research that emma has done we talked about the menstrual cycle the menopause nutrition habits exercise this episode was loaded with content so i know you got something from this if you've listened and enjoyed Or even if not, I'd love a five-star review. So if you head over to Apple Podcasts, please leave us that five-star review. It helps us continue the podcast, reach more people, and also to continue to land awesome guests just like Emma today. We'll be back very soon with another podcast with another guest who's going to discuss his journey of doing a 1,000 days in a row of attending the gym or training. It's going to be a good one.
1: In the meantime, peace out.